Open Books with Claire is a proud member of the Create Vine and is produced by Mecco Radio. So I'm your host, Claire, and today I am joined by my guest host, Emily. Hi, and welcome to Open Books with Claire, where we explore characters and how they drive the stories we love. I will warn people that this is a spoiler episode. We talk a lot about the plot and the characters and everything. Uh, Today we're going to talk about Cinder, which is written by Marissa Meyer. So Marissa Meyer is an American novelist. Uh, She was inspired to write Cinder after participating in a national writing contest where she wrote a story of a futuristic puss in boots. Right, so Cinder is written in third person point of view and um, there's kind of three main heads that we get to go into in this book. Uh, the main one is Cinder. She is definitely our main character. Okay, so the book starts off, we meet Cinder. She's sitting at her stand in the market. And then we get to meet Aiko, who is an android. And um, she brings Cinder a new mechanical foot. So Cinder is a cyborg. And it's as she's trying to replace this foot that we also get to meet Prince Kai. And so he's looking for Cinder to fix one of his androids. And then as the story goes on, their relationship kind of increases to the point where he actually asks her if she would come to the ball with him. So this is a Cinderella-based book. So we've got Cinder, who is Cinderella. I liked uh, the way that she um, builds her relationships with people. Um, Like, she's not one to just jump into a relationship, um, whether just a friendship or romantic or whatever. Um, And I also liked her fierceness. She kind of, you know, she does what she wants, and she doesn't really let people tell her what to do, which is really important for the entire book and the entire series as well. So because this book is mainly talking about Cinder, we get to see her kind of develop Uh, She goes from being just a cyborg that um, nobody really wants because, I mean, cyborgs are kind of looked down upon because they're not fully human. Um, Or at least people believe that they're not fully human, but Cinder can still feel emotions. Like, she still feels everything um, that anybody else would. Um, And then as she, she... meets Kai and she starts kind of talking with him uh she starts to feel um like some people actually like her because like you know when she's hanging out with Kai uh he doesn't know that she's a cyborg so he doesn't look at her differently even though he, um even though he doesn't know exactly who she is Um, but to her, that's just kind of, uh, it's something nice, right? Like, it's something different, even though she's not necessarily telling him the whole truth, you know, it's just a break from people seeing her the way that they do. And that's, that's probably partially, partly why she doesn't tell him, right? Plus, I mean, how do you bring that up? Hey, you know, your highness, guess what? I'm a cyborg. That would be super awkward. So, I don't know. I think that's just... um, It just disproves the prejudices against her, especially her being lunar as well. Like, when he found out, he was mad, but he loved her for herself even before. Um, 
he knew all these things. So I don't know. I agree with you on that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, after talking with Dr. Ireland, Ar- Ireland, you know, uh, she finds out that she's actually lunar, which at this point in time, at this time in society, uh, there are people who had gone to live on the moon and they developed this gift um, where they're able to change the bioelectricity and they can make people see um, what's not there kind of thing. And so Cinder finds out that she actually is lunar, um, but she has a device that was suppressing her lunar uh, gifts because when lunars don't use their gifts, uh, they can go a little mad. Um, And so we see... You know, Cinder progressed from being just a cyborg to being a cyborg and a lunar. And lunars are really, they're kind of hated on Earth. And and so, like, we see her have to change her perspectives a little bit and start to understand who she really is. So let's let's talk about the society that they're living in, right? So it's a futuristic world. So they've got different technologies. They don't use things like cars. You know, they use... Um, they use hoverboards, not hoverboards, that's not the right word. And so, like, there's just different, um, advancements in technology. I mean, they've made people cyborgs, right? Like, they're, they're a thing and they're fully functional and everything, like, and everything's connected. They can move, um, all of the different fingers, um, on their hands kind of thing. So they can function as they would with actual... I even want to tie in, like, the fact that it was set during a world pandemic. (laughs) I was kind of shocked when I first read that. Um, But I thought it was interesting, kind of, the similarities between society today and the futuristic one, even though it's not as advanced as it might be in Cinder, like our present world isn't. Um, But things like quarantine were mentioned in there, like avoiding the quarantines, being a close contact, which blew my mind. Masking. Um... What was another thing? Like, even the DNA sequencing that Dr. Erland did, um, that's kind of how they're creating the vaccine right now in current society. And so I thought it was interesting that so many years in the past, she was able to do so much research as to kind of put herself in the place, like, Meyer was able to put herself in the place of a world pandemic. Um, I don't know. What were your thoughts on the setting? I think it was interesting. I mean, it was kind of cool to read because, I mean... It was after a fourth world war, which, I mean, you know, that's kind of shocking. But the way that they they formulate their governments, there's like six main governments or something, and they all meet together um, to discuss world issues. And, I mean, there's people on the moon, and they're living and functioning there as a society. Um, there's spaceships constantly coming in and out of the atmosphere. I thought that was kind of crazy. But I really liked, um, kind of reading about it because it's different, right? It's, um, it's something that could be and, and probably will be a future of ours. Well, I really like the end, you know? I, I liked, so Cinder was planning to leave. The city. She was planning to just get out and, you know, stay away, not go to the ball and everything. But then she ends up getting a message from a girl 
who said that the queen, like Queen Lavana, who's the queen of the Lunars, was going to kill Kai. And um, so Cinder chose to go to the ball and um, tell Kai because she, she didn't want to let him be killed kind of thing. So, I mean, it's raining and everything. She gets super wet and she's super dirty and still comes into the ball and everybody's like staring at her and, you know, looking at how dirty and messy she is and everything. Um, but Kai, he doesn't really notice. Well, I mean, he notices that she's all dirty, but he doesn't really seem to care about the fact that she's, uh, you know, that she's super wet and everything. He's just super happy that she's there. Um, which, you know, then causes a lot of drama and everything. And that's a super awkward part. <laughs> yeah, because then her, you know, her stepmother and stepsisters are there. And, well, yeah. And then, you know, they cause a huge scene. And, um, you know, she has to tell Kai that Lavana's going to kill him. And then Lavana's there. And, you know, everyone's going back and forth. And then, you know, so it's, people can see Cinder's glamour, too, um, for a second there. Because she doesn't have control over it. So it just kind of appears... And, um, which makes Lavana super angry. And then, you know, there's the awkward scene of she, she tries to shoot Lavana or something, but ends up just shooting one of Lavana's guards. And then she's running outside, she slips, and then everybody can see that she's cyborg. And that's awkward too for her. But that part was just, <laughs> that part was just kind of awesome because you know she risks everything to go knowing that she probably won't really get a chance to leave the city now and you know and then she she gets put in jail for it so awkward um i was just gonna like talk about kind of an emotionally charging scene um basically uh Cinder's relationship with her sister uh, Peony was really interesting to me, um, and I felt like a roller coaster of emotions during this story, just concerning those two, just because of the stepmother's ignorance, basically, on how much she was helping her daughter, um, and how much Cinder was doing for the family, but also her support to Peony with like a uh, emotionally blocked mother, basically. Um, and especially when Peony is dying in the, ah, what do they call it? Like, I think it's quarantine, but I don't remember. Um, and just, like, Cinder's uh, determination to save her sister and to have Kai, or Dr. Erlen promise for her to be the first one to receive the cure. Just her emotional attachment to her sister, who's not related by blood, was just really emotionally... Uh, emotional to me and it just showed me Cinder's character how selfless she can be when she loves someone um, she's willing to do anything for them so yeah yeah no that's really those are beautiful beautiful parts all right so 
let's talk about Kai because you don't you don't get to see he only has like six chapters that are actually where you can see inside his head but he interacts with Cinder a lot more and every time it's a super awkward scene because both of them are feeling awkward and it's beautiful <laughs> but you you get to see um Kai's character develop in those six chapters right um, he goes from being the prince whose father is dying and he has to, um, watch as his father, he's dying from this plague, right? Letamosis, he's, he's dying from this disease and Kai just kind of has to, like, there's nothing that Kai can do. Um, and then his father does die and then you, you see Kai go from being the prince who had a little bit of free time to being someone who has to become the emperor. Um, and he has to fill his father's shoes, which are not easy to fill. And as soon as his father dies, you get Queen Lavana. She, uh, she kind of calls them up and they're like, we, we should talk. And, um, so Kai is faced with this choice, um, marry Lavana and get the cure for Lenimosis, or refuse to marry Lavana and pretty much start a war. And, I mean, being faced with that, I think he's only, like, 17 or 18 or something. Yeah, so he's he's really young. So being faced with that kind of decision and, like, the not only your country's um, hands or, yeah, not only your country in your hands, but also kind of the world because if Lavana declares war... She's kind of declaring war on the world. I agree with that. It's a lot of responsibility for someone who's like around her age, um, even in fictional terms. And also, I think his focus on diplomacy or being diplomatic definitely changed those six chapters. So in the beginning, he's like, I don't care about my appearance to other people, how they view me. I don't care if Levon is offended if I do this or have mirrors like he was very against being um trying to fit into the role that he was born into but as the chapters progress like this pressure from world leaders from i don't think his father really pressured him but everyone around him i think really shaped him into a person that wanted to please and also wanted to prevent conflict and so that was like through diplomacy marrying queen lavana he wouldn't have done that before as his old self as the prince um i think he was just like the major decision that he was faced with as well as his um, increased pressure from those around him. So this story is, um, and this series is interesting because there are ties to um, fairy tales. You know, stories that we've grown up, that a lot, most people have grown up reading different versions of. And um, so this one, you know, it's a futuristic sci-fi fairy tale kind of thing. And... Um, so what do you think about how uh, Marissa Meyer kind of connected the stories? It was really interesting to me because the plot doesn't really deviate that much from the original fairy tales. It's more the setting that's different um, and the characters. So from what I've been discussing with others on this book and just kind of in my own thoughts, um, some of the characters that kind of connected were Dr. Erland as the <laughs> fairy godmother, <laughs> which is a weird thing to say but at the same time it's true because he gives her freedom um, to leave if she wants to 
And even though in the beginning he is kind of an antagonist, um, he just wants to see her safe and he wants her to survive. Um, yeah, and Gus Gus or the mice could be Ico, like a little side character. <laughs> so <laughs> that was my thoughts on that. Um, but was, what was interesting is some of the things that she kept in the novel. The ball, that was an interesting twist where it's a futuristic society but still clinging on to materialistic or kind of societal structured events like a ball, which is they respected monarchy, which is interesting with their union of the uh, earth. So yeah, I just think she took elements of the old fairy tales and brought them in but still giving it like a futuristic twist so yeah what were your thoughts on how she incorporated the fairy tales well i definitely thought that the plot was very similar which i like um because there was a lot um that she could do kind of still going along the same plot she's definitely very similar to the characters of cinderella that we've seen uh she's very headstrong she's opinionated and she's really, she really likes uh, to do good, right? Uh, doing good kind of comes easy to her uh, in most cases. Um, but I never thought of Dr. Erland being the fairy godmother. But that's brilliant, actually. Like, that thought never crossed my mind. So, the last um, couple chapters of the book, Cinder, she's in jail, right? She's in prison, um... Because Lavana wants her captured and pretty much killed. And there was really nothing that Kai could do about it. Like, there was no reason that Kai could say no. Because saying no would mean starting a war. Even though Kai feels terrible about it, she's just, she's just another person, you know, in the world. She, um, he still really loves her almost, even if he doesn't know it to like even if he won't admit it to himself um but there's really you know his hands are tied almost um but then so we see cinder in her jail cell and then dr erland comes in and this is where i don't know i think this is where we find out that dr erland is actually lunar himself um because he uses his gift on the guard to get into the cell what he does is when he's talking to Cinder, he, he kind of drops a bombshell on her. He, uh, he tells her that he, she is the missing princess of Lunar. Uh, so she's Princess Selene, and um, she's the one who's supposed to be on the throne, not Lavana. Which, I mean, those, that's huge news. Like, that is just shocking. Yeah, I think it is huge news, but I uh, also think that it was kind of leading up to it, like this whole plot was leading up to that moment, because it kind of explains her backstory. So the beginning of the novel kind of talks about how she's an orphan and kind of her um, tale, but it was, for some reason, it just gives like hints of foreshadowing for me, like the bits of flesh found and it was kind of interesting that it was very similar to the cyborg parts that she has. Um, and people were kind of uh, talking amongst themselves whether she was alive or not. I don't know. It just seemed like it was going towards that climax of the book. And it also kind of reminds me of other fairy tales. Like, I feel like 
the author was very clever in incorporating other ones. Like, yes, it's Cinderella, but also it could be Snow White because it's the evil queen and her niece, right? Um, or you could talk about Sleeping Beauty, how she's coming back to the kingdom. So I think it incorporates a lot of other like big stories, but also it was the climax of the book. So I agree with you on that, that it was huge news and it was really hard to handle. Yeah, Nancy, which is the drone that, or the android that she was fixing for Kai, didn't she say something about Princess Celine? Because she was looking for information about Celine uh, for Kai. Because, you know, if you find the lost princess and she ends up to be better than her aunt, well, put her on the throne. So after Dr. Erland tells her uh, that she's Celine, he gives her a new hand and a new foot, I think. And um, so her new hand has a whole bunch of different gadgets in it, which is kind of kind of cool. And then he tells he basically tells her to escape and come meet him in Africa. And and then that's kind of how the book ends. She's she's like, you know, they'll be looking for a ghost. Then you're like, I gotta get the next one. <laughs> like everything that happens after this book was a total shock to me. <laughs> I think it's nice that they kind of ended on a cliffhanger though. Well, first of all, so that you go back and read the other books, obviously, but it gives you just kind of um, an opportunity to think of the possibilities before actually reading the other book, like kind of studying the book more. I think when you don't give someone a complete answer, a complete ending, usually you're able to make something up yourself and it helps you go back in the plot and kind of look at what was significant, what clues could be used for the future. Thank you, Emily, for joining uh, me today. Uh, did you have any uh, final comments, thoughts? I don't know. Cinder's just a really good book, and it's set. It's very interesting because it's fiction, but it also kind of incorporates elements of right now. So I think I would recommend the read. Yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast, Claire. <laughs> And thank you to our listeners. Bye.